May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So, Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, today's message is called Covenant People. We are uh, approaching uh, the moment where uh, Moses starts to reveal uh, the law of God through the Ten Commandments um, that that God gives to Moses and the people. Um, And as we get closer to the law and as we dive further into Scripture, there is this question of how much of this really applies to us, right? I, I think we have this knowledge. Uh, it's even in the way that we talk about the Bible. We call it Old Testament and New Testament. And the Testament refers actually to the covenant, right? So there's the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And you may have guessed, and you probably know this, that Christians believe that we are in the New Covenant. So why even bother reading the old stuff? Why even bother with, you know, this Old Testament, this Old Covenant, which at least, you know, in terms of the Bible, you know, if you've looked at your Bible, the Old Testament is way longer than the New Testament. You know, should should we just all have thinner Bibles, you know, just the New Testament? Some people might think that. But maybe if you've ever tried to read the Bible, you know, you've kind of been confused when you come to, uh, especially the law, right? The Ten Commandments and all these other hundreds of laws. What do we do with this? How does this apply to us? Some of these were like, okay, some of these kind of make sense, but others like, you know, does that really apply to me anymore? That's a question that we want to kind of answer, but we want to understand what does it mean to be a people of the covenant, new covenant or old? And are they connected in some way? So yeah, let's try to explain what covenants are about uh, so that we can try to figure this out. I know it's a question that I've had, but a covenant uh, just you know, in very plain terms, it's an agreement. It's an agreement that you make between two parties, you know? So it could be like, hey, I'll give you money and then you give me services for that money, right? That sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, covenants are things that, that would take place all the time. Uh, we, we think of religious covenants, but, you know, it's something that, especially in the older days, you know, a lot of things would have been done, you know, uh, kind of, metaphorically on a handshake, right? But you'd have to make a covenant between people. You know, we still do that today. Um, But in trying to understand 
what it means to make an agreement between two people, right? Um, I, I think we're going to run into this idea that probably for a lot of us today, we may not really like the idea that we are beholden to something, that there's restrictions or constraints put on us, that there's expectations, you know? And maybe for a lot of people, uh, we approach the New Testament and we're like, well, the Old Testament was about rules and, and things you had to do, but the New Testament is just about freedom, you know? I think that's, that's too much of a reduction, but I think that's what a lot of people think. And I think part of it is because we have this great tendency within us to not want anything holding us back, to not want any constraints. If you don't know who this is, this is Hulk Hogan. This was kind of his signature move. He was a wrestler, and whenever he would come out, he would always rip his T-shirt. You know, ah, there's nothing holding me back. America, you know, freedom, ah. It was kind of funny because Hulk Hogan, uh, you could always see in his shirt, like, man, I, I don't know if you can tell how thin that shirt is, but they, <laughs> they would, like, cut rips in it so it was easier to tear away. But anyway, it's like the idea, like, you know, nothing holds me back. You can't tell me what to do, right? I'm going to do whatever I want. And, and, you know, there's so many songs about God's love and God's freedom, and God loves us, so he wants us to be free. And I think that's true to an extent, but what does that mean? What is that freedom? Is, is that freedom in this sense? Like, you can't tell me what to do. If I want to rip off my shirt, I'm going to do it. If I want to just run out in the street, I'm going to do it. Is that what it means to be a, a new covenant kind of person? Well, obviously, well, maybe it's not obvious, but I think there's a reason why we keep around the old covenant you know, at least in terms of reading it and understanding it. And there is an application. And, you know, maybe you've already guessed, we cannot live in life with no constraints, right? Uh, I think society would fall apart. <laughs> it wouldn't quite work. But I want us to understand then, what do we do with it? Because nor am I saying that we should follow every single Old Testament law. I don't think that's true either. But I want to take a look at, because this is the moment right before the people receive the Ten Commandments, uh, which obviously were very, very revered, were kind of the cornerstone and the pillar of the covenant and the law, right, that would be given to the people. It starts here with the Ten Commandments. Um, and right before they receive this, uh, this is what God says to the people. And, and it will help us to understand what the covenant is all about. So let's take a look. So again, you know, we have this setup. Uh, the people have been wandering in the Israel, right? Moses, uh, as we read last week, was doing the best he could by appointing people to, you know, try to uh, uh, interpret what God wanted for the people, right? They were directionless, People did whatever they wanted, but when there's disputes, they would seek out Moses. And so, you know, they've been wandering in, in the, the wilderness, but God has led them to this mountain. And Moses is supposed to approach God on this mountain. And, and this is what the Lord called out to uh, Moses to proclaim to the people. So if, if you want to drop down to the bottom part of verse 3 here, uh, it says, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you 
to myself. It's the first clue, right? Now, God has freed the people, and that's great. And we like that part. We're like, yeah, God save us, right? But what was the purpose of that? Was it just, hey, be free and just do whatever you want? He says, I freed you and brought you to myself. That's the first clue, right, in what the covenant is all about. He says, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, this agreement, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So what this is about is God is making this covenant, this agreement with the people. If you follow my law, if you do what I say, if you live according to my statutes and precepts, then you will be my people, right? My treasured possession, right? A kingdom of priests, a holy nation. That word holy doesn't mean perfect, but what it means is that you are set apart. You are set apart for me. You're special, right? And so there is that sense of the covenant. For a lot of us, what we focus on is the law part, right? The, the part where we have to do what God says, and we don't like that part, right? Because again, ah, we don't like restrictions, you know? We don't like being told what to do. We don't like rules. But the part that we might have missed is what is promised for us? And what is promised for us is that we get to belong to God, right? Now, the people have seen firsthand what that looks like. You know, when God is on your side, God is fighting for you. The most powerful nation on earth probably at the time, you, you know, uh, in many ways, Egypt. They, they were lording it over these people and they were slaves. And God was able to mightily, wondrously, miraculously save them out of the hands of Egypt, you know. And God is providing for them. You know, they're, they're wandering in the desert. And they get bread from heaven, manna that falls out of the sky. It's wonderful. It's amazing how God provides for them, you know? And God is like, you are my people, right? You belong to me. There's so much blessing that goes with that, you know? And what the covenant is really about is how do we become the people of God? How do we belong to God and God belong to us, right? How do we live in this close kind of relationship with God? And it comes through this covenant, right? And so the people, uh, uh, all the elders and all these people, they answer and they say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And they lived happily ever after, right? No, <laughs> of course not. Because what you're going to find out is that the people of Israel, they can't keep the law. They keep breaking it again and again and again. You know, God tells them to do something, and they're like, yeah, 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 God will do it. Yeah, we're yours. We belong to you, right? But they can't do it again and again and again. They keep failing. You know, even like the, the first <laughs> commandment, you know, there will be no other gods before me uh, and before you, and they just keep chasing after all these other gods, you know, and 
maybe a part of us is like, why? Why are they like that? But if you know your own human nature, you know that we're like that as well. And so something's not working here, you know? But what, what I, I also want to emphasize before we get to um, how God wants to remedy this situation, how God wants to fulfill the covenant and give us a better one. Um, to understand here in verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. That part we might just kind of leave out, but it's kind of significant. For one, what does it mean, this thick cloud? If you guys remember, uh, when Jesus went up on the mountain, again, going up on a mountain, where are they? They have approached a mountain. Moses is going up on a mountain. The, the symmetry is there, and it's intentional. When Jesus goes up on the mountain, the presence of God descends upon the mountain in a thick cloud, right? It's the same thing. It symbolizes the very presence of God. And he says, I'm coming to you in this thick cloud, in this way that you will know that I'm here with you, that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever, right? That the people may hear when I speak to you, right? Because what is this about? It is about a relationship. It is about God coming to be with them. We may look at the law as just a bunch of laws, right? But it is God speaking to the people. Why? Because he's their people. Because they have a relationship. Would you rather God be silent when people come to God and they're like, what is your will? And God's like, I don't know, you figure it out. No, that's not what the people want. The people want direction like we talked about last week. We all do. But at the same time, we do and we don't, right? We've already said we don't like being told what to do. But the idea of God coming and speaking to us and us being able to believe in him and trust in him forever, I think we still want that, don't we? Don't you want God to speak to you? Don't you want to know God's will for you? Don't you want God to be close to you? Right? That is what is involved in the covenant. You know? And so maybe we're thinking like, okay, but Pastor Steve, why the constraints? Why the restrictions? Brothers and sisters, if you want any relationship, any true love relationship, you will find out very quickly, love has constraints. Probably the best known example that we still have today of a covenant is in marriage, right? And so maybe you marry someone because you were infatuated with them or, or you, know, you think you love them. They make you feel wonderful, right? But you can't go into that relationship thinking that there are no restrictions on you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even going to tell you to try because it will be disaster. If you go to your wife and you're like, honey, or your husband, honey, uh, I love you and I enjoy hanging out with you and being with you and sharing a life with you, but... You can't tell me what to do, and I will do whatever I want. Not going to be married very long, right? I mean, there are many, many things, even just in society, there are many things that, of course, there are constraints. You, you may think to yourself, you know, like, like, man, you can't hold me back. You know, I live for speed. And you can jump in a car and drive as fast as you want. You could drive 
100 miles an hour down the highway, and you will find out very quickly <laughs> that, uh, uh, and, and you know, you'll probably get arrested and have to you know, appear before a judge, and they will explain to you that driving is not a basic human right. It is a privilege. And part of the agreement that you make is that you will follow posted speed limits, that you will follow the restrictions put on you, that you will only drive if you have a license. There are restrictions that enable you to be able to enjoy that privilege of being able to drive, right? Of being able to get to places more quickly than on foot. All of these things in life, they require these constraints because if they don't have them, then there is no relationship, right? you will see oftentimes the way that God talks about his covenant with his people is most commonly the metaphor used is marriage, right? God says, I'm marrying you. That is why there are constraints and restrictions, just like there is in actual marriage or, you know, in in human marriage, you know? If you want any kind of relationship, we must be able to understand this. So let's take a look at what the new covenant is about. It's spelled out for us. It's not supposed to be a mystery, brothers and sisters. This is not supposed to be just open for your own interpretation. But there is concrete scripture. Even in the Old Testament, that points to what that new covenant is going to look like. So Jeremiah 33, 31 through 34. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with the fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. There you see it right there. We're married, right? We had this agreement, and the agreement was that you would follow my law, and you broke it. We're going to make a new covenant. One that is better, perhaps. And so this is what it is. It says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. What is the covenant about? It's about what it says here. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. How do you live together in relationship? Being married, right? Having an intimate relationship with God. So this is the thing. God gave us his law, his covenant that we were supposed to follow. But what God wants is for us to know it, right? Not for someone to have to tell you it. That it becomes a part of you. Why? Because if the law reflects the will of God, and if you're in close relationship with God and you know what God wants, you know what God is about, you are going to be about what God is about. You're going to be able to do the will of God, right? And not just do it because someone told you to. Not just do it because there was a law, because you were going to get punished. But to do it because that is where your heart is. 
That is who you are becoming. You are becoming a person of this covenant. You are becoming a person of the will of God, right? And so, you know, God doesn't want us to just, you know, talk about him, hear about him. But God wants us to know him. Now, of course, there is this big part where when we sin and when we screw up, and we will, there is sin that separates us, right? And God has to do something about that. Now, for, in the Old Covenant, there were all kinds of rules and regulations and stipulations for when somebody broke the law. How do we restore that broken relationship? You know, you can say you're sorry, but there needs to be something to make that right. And so there was a whole system of sacrifices, right? And so you would have to do these sacrifices again and again and again and again, and that was part of the law, right? God wants to make a better way. God wants to make a way to put away that guilt and shame once and for all. Because if you've ever messed up, you know, for those of you who are married or in a relationship, you mess up. I mean, we're all human, right? And it's going to be like, like there's something in the air that's just kind of like fouling up the relationship, you know? It's like maybe before you messed up, you, you were really close, and you're laughing, and there's a freedom between you. But after you mess up, there's a little bit of distrust. There's a little bit of foulness in the air, and you, you, right? It just feels a little chilly, you know? And until you make up and until there is actual forgiveness, you can't have the same kind of relationship. You can't enjoy that same, you know, kind of familiarity and comfortability that you had before, right? And so God made a way for that. But doesn't it seem a little sort of like mechanical, right? You have to keep offering these sacrifices again and again and again. And again, are you doing it because you really want to restore this relationship? Or are you doing it just because you don't want further punishment, right? And so God tries to make a better way. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. But sin always has a cost. And the system of sacrifices points to that. So he gives a better sacrifice. He gives of himself, his own son, Jesus, right? To die for that sin once and for all, so that we can be close to God, right? Brothers and sisters, I want you to hear that. It's so that we can be close to God. It was not so that you can do whatever the heck you want. No, it is about learning, well, being able to actually belong to God. So this is uh, uh, where the misunderstanding comes, For a lot of us, I mean, I'll just be honest. Uh, We all have this part within us where we just don't like restrictions. So we think the new covenant is about less restriction. It's not really what it's about. What it is about is more intimacy with God. That is what it's about, right? So, you know, uh, do you think that the new covenant, right, um, would it be about less intimacy? You know, because I think what what some people want is like they want that uh, get out of jail free. How do I do the bare minimum to be able to get into heaven? You know, how do I do the bare minimum so God's not angry at me 
or God will give me what I want. That's not, <laughs> you know, I mean, that doesn't sound like any kind of loving relationship to me. You know, that, that doesn't sound like a kind of marriage that I would want to be in, you know? But what I would want is to really, really be close to, to, to this person. And that's what God desires for us, you know? Um, so yeah, just put this up here. The new covenant is about deeper intimacy with God, not less intimacy, right? And, and I want to show you again. Uh, this is another scripture that points to this new covenant. Ezekiel eleven nineteen through 20. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put with them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. You know, one of the problems with um, the old covenant is you could actually do it and not really have a changed heart. You know, and you actually saw this with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were probably the best law keepers you would ever meet. You know, you could dot every I, cross every T, you know, follow these commandments, you know, pretty much to the letter. And what Jesus uh, saw in them is that they did it outwardly, but inwardly they were dead. Right? They were doing all this stuff, but a lot of it that they did, they did it in arrogance. They did it to show off. They did it because they thought they were morally superior, right? And that is not what God ultimately desires, right? I mean, you could do the law for some other reason other than actually loving God, right? You can do it just because you like following laws or, or, or you like, you know, uh, uh, be, being uh, morally superior, you know? You can do it because you don't want to get punished, right? But God desires to imprint in us those laws. And as it says here, to give us a new kind of heart, right? A heart that beats for him. A heart that wants to be close to God. That is what the new covenant is all about, brothers and sisters. And so... You know, to change us from this, this, this thinking of what can I get away with? What, what is the minimum requirement for me to get what I want from God, for, for God not to be angry for, for, at me? To how can I really be so close to God and so aligned with God's will and heart for me that I just live in step with the Spirit of Christ every day? That's what the new covenant is about. Now, uh, it's going to take more nuance. We'll get into this later. But, um, you know, it, 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 we aren't going to be any more strictly following Old Testament law, all the hundreds of laws, right? There will be general principles and guidelines and ways where Jesus, uh, for a lack of a better way to put it, kind of bottom lines the law for us, you know, to get us to understand it. You know, there are definitely things that God expects of us and desires of us. As you would expect, if we were the people of God, we can't just do whatever we want. But it doesn't mean just blindly or, you know, just kind of like mechanically following a whole list of laws. You will have the law in your heart, right? And you will learn how to be led by this Holy Spirit. 
So what are some practical ways, brothers and sisters, that we can learn to be God's covenant people? I want to give you a few of them. And, and th- there's probably more, but just a just couple, uh, three practical things. So number one is to invite the Holy Spirit to lead your life. You see that in Ezekiel that talks about that God will give us a new heart by giving us a new spirit. That what, that's what gives you a new heart. You can't change your heart on your own. Right? If you've ever tried to change your heart just by sheer willpower, you know how hard it is. Right? Like, like you know, I just want to love you more, God. You know, I, I just want to, uh, you know, genuinely, genuinely want to follow you. It doesn't work that way. God must transform our hearts. And it only happens by the Holy Spirit. Now, brothers and sisters, the way you get the Holy Spirit is it's a gift. It's grace. It's not earned because of your good behavior, right? Or because of your lineage as a people of Israel. It is given to you because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, right? And yes, Jesus on the cross, he died for your sin. You don't need to prove anything anymore. You don't need to earn that anymore. It is just given, but you must receive it. You must receive it. And so to be able to invite the Holy Spirit to lead your life, it may be something you need to do regularly, or at least to have that heart. You know, maybe it's a heart check question. If, if you've been a little bit lost and you don't really feel close in, in relationship to God, you know, maybe to ask this question, is the Holy Spirit really leading my life? And do you have to open up your heart, your life, all that you are, your soul, to the Holy Spirit again? The second thing is uh, to learn to obey the Word of God both written and spiritual. Now, brothers and sisters, there's still stuff in Scripture, even in the New Testament. There isn't like a big laundry list of of laws and rules that are, you know, uh, uh, in the hundreds of commandments like they are in the Old Testament. But there are still things where Jesus is like, hey, if you're my people, this is what you do, right? If you want to build your house on solid ground, you must put my words into action, actually obey them actually follow them, actually practice them, right? There is no getting around this, you know? So this idea, I don't know where this really comes from other than just our, 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 our human desires where we think that being a New Testament person or New Covenant person means that we can just do whatever we want. No, brothers and sisters, we must follow the will of God. And that comes through the word of God, Right? Now, again, I, I want to be very clear. It doesn't mean following all the Old Testament law. There's going to be reasons for that. We're going to talk about why that is. But don't think that we, we are people that no longer have to obey God, right? And there are spiritual words we get from God. If the, 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 the word is now implanted in our hearts, then that will be communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. There are going to be times where we are open to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will restrain you. The Holy Spirit will turn you aside and be like, hey, you you, got to do this, right? Can you do this? You know, and learning to be God's covenant people is going to be learning how to say yes to that, right? How to live in step with the Spirit and what the Spirit wants, to live in step with the will of God, those two should be the same thing. We know the will of God because the Holy Spirit communicates it to us. 
through scripture and through words that we receive, there's much more nuance to that. But just know, for us to learn to be covenant people, we must learn to obey the word of God. And the third thing is uh, simply to learn how to be with God, right? To enjoy his love and presence. Remember, what it means to be a new covenant person is about more intimacy, not less. This is what God wants. This is why God removes all of that guilt, all of that chilliness that separates us from him. He doesn't want that. He wants to have a close relationship with you. And so we have to learn how to actually be with God, right? Which may be prayer, which may be just being in the presence of God, which may be uh, learning to worship him, to read his word, right? To be able to enjoy it, to enjoy that time. And how many of us, even as Christians, we don't even know how to do that. For us, following God or, or, you know, being with God feels like another burden. Prayer is like, ah, oh, you know, I know I should do it. It's not what God desires, right? That's like saying to, to my, uh, you know, like me saying to my wife, well, I know I should spend time with you. <laughs> I'm legally, contractually obliged to spend time with you. No, that is not what my wife would want. That's not what God wants of us. So brothers and sisters, I know for me, um, it's something that I've had to reckon with and deal with and learn, you know, not just being with God as like some kind of like chore or duty, but to actually enjoy it, you know? And, and I'm not saying that will happen overnight. There might be some of us that we have been so uh, uh, desensitized by this world, by these kind of pleasures that come from the world that are so immediate. You know, that come in media and, and you know, like, like watching videos and playing games and, you know, these kinds of thrills that we get that, yeah, they're, they're very, very uh, uh, pleasurable in the moment, but then they go away. You know, and being with God, it, it is very pleasurable and enjoyable, but it's not like the worldly pleasure. It's not. But it will be imminently just amazingly satisfying if you learn how to be with God. But there's some ways that our appetites, our heart, has to be transformed. We need a new heart. The kind of heart that we have right now might look at spending time with God as being really boring, you know, as something that we don't really want. You know, I think that's another thing that um, is a sign that, that we need to mature and grow as covenant people, when we just want the benefits of religion, we just want the benefits of Christianity, but we don't actually want to be with God. That's not a new covenant person. A new covenant person is somebody who knows God. Right? I don't have to tell you, get to know me, you will know me. Right? I don't have to tell you the law, you'll know the law, because you'll know me. You'll be close to me. And I think for a lot of us, if, if we're being really honest, we want that. There are a few years back where um, I got to the place in my life, and it wasn't just about my career. It was about being a pastor where I was just feeling really burnt out. But it was also about my faith, to be honest. There's, there's this question, and a question I want to ask you. You know, do I just want the benefits of Christianity? Do I just want the benefits of God? 
or do I want God? Do I actually want to live in this relationship with God? It's a wonderful thing. I mean, please don't just take my word for it. But I want to tell you that learning to be with God is absolutely wonderful. There's nothing like it. Nothing. Nothing. It's worth everything. But I think in many ways, we will have to learn. You know, it's going to take time. But, but I think just to be honest, is that something I really want? You know, for me, a, 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 this was maybe five, six years ago, um, I went on this personal retreat, and I really had to ask that question. Do I want to live this life with God? You know? And, and, and it meant learning to be with God, learning to enjoy his word, not just to read it out of guilt, not to just to read it because everyone else is doing it, but because I, I want to learn how to enjoy my God, enjoy his presence, you know? That's what it means to be a new covenant person. You know, do I do these loving things because I, I, I'll feel bad if I don't do it or, you know, uh, uh, just th- there's, there's some kind of pressure for me to do it or there's a penalty if I don't do it? Or do I love other people? Do I forgive other people? Because that's what a covenant person does. That's who I am. I've, I've just been transformed, you know? And, and so um, I'm going to ask uh, Jason to come up. And let's just take a moment to ask that question. Do I want to be with my God? Remember, the new covenant is about more intimacy, not less. Do you want to know this God? Do you want this God to be your friend? Do you want to be married to this God? I mean, there are so many benefits to that. But yes, it does mean to be with God means to be with God. It means to do what he says. It means to follow him right? It means to be close to him, you know? And maybe if you want that, can we just take a moment to just invite the Holy Spirit again? And maybe there's just a place in your heart that you just want to open up right now and say, yes, I've had a heart of stone. Maybe the way I've thought about religion, maybe the way I've thought about my faith, it's just been about what I can get out of it or what I can get away with but not really thinking, how can I get closer to you, God? And so, Lord, I need you. I need your spirit to melt my heart of stone and to give me a fleshy heart again, a heart that can feel, a heart that can beat for you, a heart that can be convicted, a heart that can be pierced, but also a heart that can burn with fire for your will, for what you want, for what you are about. We thank you, God, that you want to make us a covenant people, that you want to be our God, that we can be your people, that you can belong to us and we can belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.